0: Um, If you want to grab one of these red Bibles um, and turn to page 1175, we're we're going to read from Ephesians um, chapter 6. We're just going to read four verses today. In this church, we preach through books in the Bible, um, not in order, but... Um, The elders at the church pick books that they think would be good for us to hear from, and we just preach whatever comes up. And this morning, uh, the passage is really relevant um, to us today when we're thinking about children and parents and the relationship between children and parents and between us and our Father in heaven as well. So um, we're just going to read this passage together, Ephesians chapter 6, and it's just the first uh, four verses that we're going to read together this morning. It says, children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with a promise, so that it may go well with you and you may enjoy long life on the earth. Fathers, do not exasperate your children. Instead, bring them up in the training and instruction of the Lord. Let's read it again. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment, with a promise, so it may go well with you, and you may enjoy long life on the earth. Fathers, do not exasperate your children. Instead, bring them up in the training and instruction of the Lord. Go ahead and take a seat, and let's pray
1: together. Dear Lord, we thank you so much for all that we have experienced and enjoyed this morning so far. And your goodness towards us as we celebrate with Simon and Ruth. We pray now that as we turn to your word, you would speak to us to encourage all of our hearts and point us to Jesus. Amen. Amen. If you uh, still uh, have your Bible open or you could pick it out of the seat, go back to page 177 so that you can see, hopefully, the things that I'm about to say don't come from me, but from this book that we as Christians love The Bible, and we believe it's God's Word. Well, it's a a privilege to be back. Um, Sometimes I come back here, and it's like a year or six months has passed by, and I realize, okay, they could take a second dose. Uh, But today, I get two weeks on the trot, so somebody asked me if I'm taking over, and the answer is surreptitiously, (laughs) thinking about applying for the trainee pastor's job. So... But no, it really is wonderful to be with you all um, and to celebrate with Simon and Ruth and your families. Thank you so much for the opportunity to rejoice in the good gift of Martha with you and your extended family and this whole church. Um, After getting married, uh, so Claire and my my family here, after getting married uh, in 2000, we we wanted to start a family. And we waited several years uh, before we could have children. The Lord had different plans to us. Uh, and we waited and waited, and then we uh, three came along all at once. We had triplets, and it was like waiting for a bus. <laughs> you know, you wait and you wait, and then three of them come along at once, and then since then, we've added, added uh, three more as well. So I we stand here as a, uh, a father of six, and I'm 18 years into this parenting gig. <clears throat> and I remember right at the beginning, all of those 18 years ago, before we had any children, we had no kids and six theories about how we were going to be the best parents on the planet, and now we have six children and no theories about how to be the best parents on the planet. Although one of the things that has stuck with me is something that my mum uh, said to me uh, when we were first having children. She's gone to be with the Lord now, but so she's not here to defend herself. But she said to me, "Oh, when your kids are young, they're so cute and cuddly. You wish. Oh, you you really think? Oh, I, they're so cute and cuddly. I could eat them." And then she said, and then they get to 18 and you wish that you had. (laughs) My kids, my oldest triplets turn 18 in May, so they're wondering about what we're doing for their birthday. (laughs) I'm thinking about steak. (laughs) No. No, parenting is the the single biggest challenge that Claire and I have faced, I think. And it brings a, a, a deep sense of inadequacy. And if you're a parent here in this room... I think you could probably identify with me. It's an area where we're prone to discouragement and guilt and condemnation. And so, in preparation for this message, I did what I always do when I don't know what to do about a particular topic. And that's why I entered parenting into Google <laughs> and, and I got over one billion results in half a second. And then I realized I'm a Christian, no, what I should do when faced with situations that I know very little about, is turn to the Bible and hear God's Word and hear the perfect wisdom of a perfect Father in heaven. And that's what we're going to do from Ephesians chapter 6. Now, parenting and child-rearing is really not the main thrust of Scripture at all. And actually, God doesn't provide very many specifics when it comes to parenting, except for things that fall into these four categories. He says, be thankful, Psalm 127. He says, Lovingly discipline your kids, Hebrews 12, book of Proverbs. He says, teach your children about God, again, from the book of Proverbs and from Deuteronomy 6. And then the scripture that uh, Paul read for us, Ephesians chapter 6, where he says, fathers, don't exasperate your children, but raise them in the instruction of the Lord. And filling in the details of scripture depends a lot on your family, your background, your culture, prayer, The wisdom of others, the work of the Holy Spirit in your life and in your family, and a whole lot of trial and error. But we're going to see what God has to say to us. Some very concrete biblical principles this morning that we can get our hands around and our teeth into from Ephesians chapter 6. Now these are not revolutionary, neither are they foolproof formulas or new techniques or quick fixes, but they're God's wisdom for kids. And God's wisdom for parents. And that's the two things I want to just explore with you this morning in our remaining time. God's wisdom for children, God's wisdom for parents. So most of the kids have gone out, um, but I'm sure their parents will play this back to them <laughs> repeatedly. But let's just breeze over some of the, the verses where Paul addresses. Children, he does so in verses 1 to 3. In our text, children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with a promise, so that it may go well with you and that you may enjoy long life on the earth. So Paul begins by addressing children. And he's really addressing dependent children. So not just offspring, because we're all children of someone. But he's thinking about dependent children who are still at home with their children parents, and he has one very clear thing to say to them, and he says this, children, do whatever your parents ask you to do. Do whatever your parents ask you to do. I'm just going to make eye contact with my children now. (laughs) So, do whatever your parents, whatever your mom or dad ask you to do, except if it was to lead you outside of God's word, or it was contrary to what God tells you to do. And that's what he means by... Children, obey your parents in the Lord. As children, part of following and obeying our parents, that's part of what it means to follow Jesus. That we do whatever our parents ask us to do, as long as it's in line with and not outside of or contrary to God's word. We're to obey them in the Lord as we follow Jesus. And our obedience, Paul tells us in verse 2, is to be done in a way that honors our parents. That we are to honor our mother and father. And and so our obedience is, is both in action and in attitude. In other words, Paul basically might say in the street Bible, as children, you should joyfully, completely, and immediately do everything that your parents tell you to do, as long as it glorifies God. And then he gives two reasons. He says it's right... If you look, notice that, this is right, and he quotes uh, the Ten Commandments in Exodus 20 to give us an idea that actually this is not your mum and dad's idea, but this is God's idea. It's right for you to do this because God says that it's right to do this, but it's also good. It, may, it will go well with you if you honor and respect and obey your parents. It's, it's the first commandment with a promise, Paul says, because it, it, God is promising blessing and safekeeping. Now, that's a, a generally true principle. It's not a guarantee that, you know, obedience wards off disease and hardship and affliction from our children. It, it just means, if we flip it on its head, that the disobedient children will probably endanger themselves physically and spiritually if they go against what God says is good and right, which is to obey our parents. So children must obey, and parents, we, we should insist on our children's obedience, because that's right and good, and that's God's wisdom for children. Much more that could be said, I'm sure, but let's get on to God's wisdom for parents. It seems to me, having been a parent for 18 years, that parenting gets more and more complicated the more and more years that pass by. There are just so many rules and expectations, both in society and even in the church, So in the time that I've been a parent, we've been through all of these. Should you demand feed versus schedule feed? And I'm not making any kind of claims about anything that's right or wrong here. I'm just throwing them out there. So don't, don't shoot me down, all right? Should you demand feed? Should you schedule feed? Should you make your children listen to Mozart or watch Netflix? Should you keep them away from dirt and explosives or let kids be kids and let them eat a slug or two? Should it be a strictly kale and no sugar diet, or should you just let them have a sweet drawer that they have access to the whole time? Make sure that you engage them in extracurricular activities, sports, music, arts, ballet, and everything before they're three years old. <laughs> and particularly as Christians, you've got to get the right mix of family devotions. You've got to get the right proportion of Bible and C.S. Lewis and Tolkien and veggie Tales, in order to make sure that they... No. So parenting seems really confusing. It it just seems a challenge and complicated. So I'm very grateful for uh, a pastor in America, Kevin DeYoung, who wrote these words. He says there are, it should come up on the screen, there are ways to screw up our kids for life, but thankfully the Happy Meal is not one of them. (laughs) There's not a straight line from Ronald McDonald to eternal rebellion. Much like there's not a direct correlation between doodling loudly in the service as a toddler and doing meth as a teenager. Could it be that beyond the basics of godly parenting, most of the other techniques and convictions are just nibbling around the edges? Certainly, there are lots of ways that good parents make their kids a little bit more manageable from day to day. But even the kid hooked on Angry Birds who just downed a pack of fun dip and is now watching his fifth Pixar movie of the week, he still has a decent shot at not being a sociopath. And I think that that's right. Some of these things are just nibbling around the edges, but what are the godly uh, or the basics for godly parenting? Well, I think Paul tells us this in verse 4. Look with me at verse 4, fathers, and when he says fathers, he's addressing fathers as the representative head of the household, but you'll notice in the footnotes at the end of the passage uh, on page 1177, it actually says fathers or parents, because he's addressing both, mothers and fathers. So this isn't, you know, mums sharpening their elbows, make sure you listen, dad, because he's talking to you. This is for all of us who are fathers and mothers. And we're told that we're to do it, that we're to parent our children, that the responsibility for us does not lie with even with grandparents, great as they are, or nurseries, or school, or iPads. The responsibility for parenting lies with the parents. Now, it's not that God forbids the use of iPads and grandparents and and nurseries and schools and uh, nannies and after-school clubs and all of those things, because... It it takes a village to raise a children. Parenting is a community project, which is why we all acknowledge that we would do whatever we could to help Simon and Ruth. They need, we need as parents, your wisdom. They need, we need as parents, your prayers, your encouragements. We don't need your judging. We need your prayers and encouragements and wisdom and love and grace and help. Because it's a community project, but God tells us that the responsibility for raising children primarily rests with parents. Physically, emotionally, socially, we are responsible for our children, but especially as Christians for their spiritual well-being. And it's our responsibility as parents to create the spiritual atmosphere and environment of our home where our children can hear about Jesus. So then Paul tells us what not to do. If you notice in verse 4, Do not, do not exasperate your children. So Paul tells us that really we are responsible to raise our children and then here's what you're not supposed to do. Don't exasperate them. So what does that mean? Well, I think the best way to understand it would be to flip it on its head and consider the least exasperating person I know who's Jesus. What was Jesus like? He was kind, He was gentle, he was long-suffering, he was patient, he was forgiving, he was forbearing, he was sympathetic, he was gracious, and he was loving. I think all of those things are the opposite of exasperating. There's two ways to train a horse, so I understand, never having done it myself. First way is that you progressively train a horse, you get the right equipment. And you use a halter and a bit and a bridle and a blanket and a saddle. And you work with the horse day after day to train them. And if you do it correctly, it produces a full-spirited and obedient horse. And then there's a second way to train a horse, which bad trainers do. And that is they take a piece of two-by-four wood... And they go out into the yard with the horse, and as soon as the horse does something wrong, they smack the horse around the back of the knees, very cruelly, to train the horse. And we all know instinctively, don't we, that's not right. And that's what Paul is saying to us here. Don't be like the horse trainer who takes a bit of two by four and clout your children around the head or around the knees. Don't exasperate them. Avoid attitudes and words and actions which provoke anger. Because a horse that is is whacked around the knees with a piece of two by four, it might be tamed, but it might not be trained. Because exasperation breeds bitterness and resentment and anger, and it actually works against who Jesus is. And it actually works against pointing our kids to the kind of God who loves them and who they should obey and follow. So what are some of the ways in which we can exasperate our children? Well, it didn't take me long to come up with this list, let me tell you that. I just asked my wife what she does. (laughs) No. Nagging, constantly criticizing and condemning our kids for their failures, putting them down, name-calling, sarcastic joking, humiliating them in public, belittling their intelligence or their character or their physique or their abilities. Unfair comparison with their siblings. Inconsistent or unfair or excessively severe discipline. This is one of the things that my kids would say to me, you always say no. I say, no, I don't. (laughs) They say, yeah, you do. No, I don't. Sending out conflicting messages that something is wrong today, but tomorrow you're not really worried about it. Overreacting at the slightest thing that they do. Hypocrisy and the power of example. You know, not that we would ever say this, but sometimes we act it out, do as I say, but not as I do. Or exposing them to what might be called second-hand stress. You know, you get so stressed at work, or something happens, or you're anxious about a particular situation, or you're too busy and you're too overcommitted that your kids get both barrels, even though it's not their fault. Paul says, don't exasperate your children. Be more like Jesus towards them. Kindness, gentleness, long-suffering, patience, forgiveness, forbearance, sympathy, grace, love. You know, if you're like me, you probably went through that list that I just saw and went, yep, 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 yep. And you feel a failure right now. Let me tell you, I, I could win a gold medal in exasperation Olympics. But God is gracious to us which is why this passage is here for us. And it's not a passage that just hangs in abstraction, it hangs on the the grace of God that Paul has already identified for us in Ephesians 1 to 3. That Jesus Christ came so that we might be redeemed, so that we might be forgiven of our sin, so that we might be empowered by his Holy Spirit to help us to walk the new life that he calls us to walk in Ephesians 4 to 6. So if you're struggling right now, With verse 4 of chapter 6, go back and read chapter 1, verses 1 to 13, and remind yourself of the goodness of God towards us that this is built upon. But then finally, Paul tells us what to do. And if you notice, he says three things really in verse 4. He says, We're to bring our children up, bring them up. Literally, that word that is is translated, bring them up, is the same word that Paul uses in Ephesians 5, verse 29, when he calls husbands to nourish their wives. It's a word, so bring them up here is not just do the bare minimum of practical care, it's nourish them, it's nurture them. It, it, It comes from this idea, biblical idea of shepherding, that parents are the shepherds of the children that God has entrusted to them, that he has entrusted us with our children to steward them, protect them, nurture them, train them, and care for them, as a shepherd would do for his sheep. That's what Simon and Ruth are called to do with Martha. That's what we're called to do with our children, if you're a parent here this morning. And that's what you're called to do as a wider family and as a a church family, to help the parents to do, to steward their children for God, as a shepherd would shepherd his flock. But then Paul says also, If you notice, bring them up in the training or, in some translations, the discipline of the Lord. There's a responsibility that we have as parents to correct and to admonish our children. Discipline means when we see them wandering off the path of God's good ways, going after them, to restore them, to rescue them, to bring them back. It's helping them to live in God's world according to God's word for God's glory. And that when we see them going off, we we correct them, we discipline them, so that we might bring them back, so that we might restore them, so that we might help them to see there are consequences for living against God and his ways and his words that will not end well for you. But I love you enough to go after you, to restore you and to help you. Now, we could have lots of conversations about discipline, but I'm going to leave that to Neil and Simon for another day and a small group sitting setting, because that probably would be more helpful. But let me just say this, it's not one size fits all. It's got to be age and child appropriate. So in our house, I might say to my boys, you can't play FIFA tonight, and that would hit them right in the heart. But if I was to say to my girls, you can't play computers, they'd be like, ha, 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 we got away with it. But I take their phones off them and there's tears. So it's got to be age appropriate. And and child appropriate. But ultimately, the, at, the, at the kind of the baseline, what Paul says is, if you notice, training and instruction in the Lord, that our training should be in the Lord, that it should be gospel-shaped, that it's discipline is not punitive, it it's, comes with a rescue attached to it. It's a rescue mission. It's always redemptive and restorative, and it's designed to help the person who experiences it see that sin is bad But Jesus loves you more than you know, and he died to rescue you from this. And he offers you forgiveness and freedom if you will turn to him. So we're to bring them up, nourish and nurture. We're to discipline, so correction and admonition. And then finally, Paul says, instruction in the Lord. That the main priority and goal and aim of parenting is not worldly success. Kids who flourish academically or in sports or in music, as great as those achievements might be. It's not even to produce well-rounded or well-behaved kids who have good manners, who know right from wrong, and have good etiquette. It's not even enough, really, to teach our children the Ten Commandments. Don't steal, don't cheat, be honest, be hard-working and polite and respectable, and marry someone who does all of those things too. No, the priority and the aim and the goal of our parenting, as Paul says, is instruction in the Lord or of the Lord. It's to point them to Jesus. That Jesus is the goal of our parenting. That Jesus is the priority in our parenting. That Jesus is the aim of our parenting. That we raise our children to know and to love and to serve Jesus. That we teach them that which is of first importance, as Paul would say elsewhere in 1 Corinthians. That we bring the truth of the gospel to our children, that we tell them about the good news of Jesus, that he loves them, and he died to save them from their sins. Again, Pastor Kevin DeYoung has these words of wisdom. The longer I parent, he says, the more I want to focus on doing a few things really well and not get too worked up about everything else. I want to spend time with my kids, teach them the Bible. Take them to church, laugh with them, cry with them, discipline them when they disobey, say sorry when I mess up, and pray a ton. I want them to look back and think, I'm not sure what my parents were doing or if if they even knew what they were doing, but I always knew my parents loved me, and I knew that they loved Jesus. If you're a mum or dad in the room, I th- we fluctuate on a spectrum between thinking of ourselves as the best parents in the world or the worst parents in the world. And frankly, both of those views are wrong. What all of us need, what every parent needs, what every kid needs, what every single person in this room this morning needs is Jesus. Jesus, who is God in the flesh, the Savior who stepped out of heaven and willingly and lovingly stepped into the mess of our broken world with all of the broken people and the broken kids and the broken parents and the broken families and the broken lives that make up our world. And as we've heard about and sung about this morning, he laid down his life on a cross, taking upon himself all of the consequences of that brokenness paying the penalty in full for our sin and rebellion against God. And he did so to bring redemption and rescue and salvation and hope and forgiveness and freedom and life to those who don't deserve it and those who could never earn it. And the Bible tells us that Jesus is familiar with all of our temptations and challenges. He sympathizes with all of our weaknesses And he offers mercy and grace to all those who need it in times of need. And he promises to us access to his abundant storehouse of grace to all who will ask. So why don't we do that together now and pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your words. And we thank you for the help it provides in the real world. That there is godly wisdom for the home contained within your word both for children and parents and we pray that we would be people who have ears to hear and hearts who are receptive and that your holy spirit would work both to encourage us and to strengthen us for being kids and parents and grandparents and aunts and uncles and brothers and sisters and church family so that we might live in ways that glorify you and that shine forth the good news of Jesus Christ to a broken world. We ask this in his name. Amen.